Hello and welcome to this episode of the Two Cent Sport Podcast. My name is JR, or as my friends and family know me, John Rogowski. I'm here with the marvelous Joey Thompson. How you doing, Marv? Hey, how you doing, JR? Really excited to be here. I'm living the dream, my man. Uh, just before we get started, I want to mention that this podcast is brought to you by Ringer. That's R-I-N-G-R dot com. You can go ahead and visit ringer.com forward slash two cent pod to get your podcast started today and save 25%. It's quite the deal. So check it out. If you have been looking to start a podcast, now's the time. I also want to mention to follow along with us on Facebook, two cent sport podcast and at two cent sport pod on Instagram. Um, So yeah, follow along with us. We'd love to hear your takes during the week, but without any further ado, I want to get into it. We've been waiting for six months, six months, Marv, I think that's about the time that we've been hearing Anthony Davis wanted his trade. And it's it's finally come. The inevitable has happened. And he is a Los Angeles Laker. He will be playing for the Showtime Lakers. They are back. The Lakers are legitimate. They are title favorites again. And there's a, been a lot of debate on both sides. Who won the trade? Who won the trade? And people have become obsessed with this. And I take a step back. We live in such a highly polarized society, politically and otherwise. It just, it seems no one could get along anymore. Nobody can see eye to eye. If I don't agree with you, then we can't be friends. Maybe it's because society has become so individualistic with social media and everything. And, And I'm not against these things. This is, this is a trend that you know, technology, what I'm talking about, I'm not against that. I am against being polarized, but I, I think we should all make an effort to get along better and see outside of our one individual perspective. And the, and the, there's good arguments for both sides of the coin, but guys, look, this is a win-win scenario for both of the teams. And, and, and let me explain what I mean by that. The Lakers, they got a star. The Lakers brand, Showtime Lakers, they need to, they need stars. It's LA, baby. They need something to put under the bright lights, under the magnifying glass that's going to stand up to the test. And they got that. They got their superstar that they needed. They were going to continue to flounder in just pure, what, what can you even call that? Chaos. Chaos would be a compliment for what the Lakers, the state that they were in. With one trade, they wiped that away. They made themselves the favorites to win the NBA Finals, just like that, with a snap of a finger. Finals favorites. And you look at the Pelicans. Like I said in our last podcast, you got to go out and get draft picks. You got to build something organically. You have to bring people in that haven't been part of the failing culture that was the Pelicans or even the failing culture that was the Lakers, but they got the draft picks that they need to build for the future. They got three first rounders, one being the number four pick. They can pair Zion with another young player, perhaps a Duke teammate. We'll get into that a little bit later with our mock draft, little teaser there. But Marv, I want to bring you in here. There's been so much debate over who won the trade. I know the initial feedback, uh, we'll call it from the Twitterverse, that the Lakers paid too much. And on the flip side of the coin, we have a lot of people now coming out and saying the Lakers did what they needed to do in the sports media. I don't want to say who won the trade, but what is your analysis of this? Well, 
at first when I, I saw the trade pop up, I was uh, in shock at, you know, the package that the Lakers gave up to the Pelicans. Reason being is I felt like the Lakers, at, uh, you know, were the only team really bidding for Anthony Davis' services. Uh, the Knicks bowed out because they, they didn't want to give up a few of their young pieces, and I felt like they didn't have enough to entice the Pelicans. And then there was other teams who really didn't really come to light. There was a few secret teams that no one really wanted to put out there, but the Lakers were basically bidding against themselves the whole time. And I feel like if they would have maybe held out a little bit longer, at the end of the day, they probably could have got a better deal. I mean, the deal itself was pretty fair down the line, but at first, when I first saw it, I, I, I believe, you know, in my mind, I was like, wow. The Lakers gave up a lot because if you think about it, they gave up three three young players and also uh they gave up the fourth pick of this year's draft, like you mentioned, and then they gave up the rights to swap picks, I believe in two thousand and twenty I believe two thousand twenty one and then two thousand and twenty three or something like that, and then they get the other two picks that are like, one of them's a protected top eight, and then the other one is unprotected. So basically, if you do the math, they pretty much gave up almost four draft picks, or five first-round picks, even though really, at the end of the day, it counts as three, but they have the right to swap two picks. I mean, if the Lakers have a worse pick than the Pelicans, which more likely might not happen, at the end of the day, if LeBron James stays healthy and Anthony Davis is healthy and they add the right pieces around them, then those picks really won't matter. But, you know, later down the line, maybe four years from now, who knows? So I think it's a little too early to say who won the draft. I'm sorry, the the, the trade. But um, I honestly, you know, at first I didn't really like the trade for, for neither team. But as I thought about it, you know, sat down and analyzed it a little bit more. I think it was the best move both teams could have made, being the Lakers want to win now. LeBron James is uh, it's going to be, what, 34 or 35, 34 this year? Uh, thirty. No, he's already 34. He's going to be 35 in December. And, you know, the time is running out. And, and Anthony Davis, uh, either way, was going to come to the Lakers in 2020. And that's the only reason why I kind of didn't like the trade, because if they had been a little bit more patient, either way, they were going to get him for free. But, I mean, that's another discussion. At the end of the day, I think um, it was a pretty even trade. Helps the Pelicans build for the future, and the Lakers get their uh, the star they've been coveting to add next to LeBron James. Yeah, I got to push back on a couple points there, Mar. First of all, I, I definitely don't agree with the fact that it's five first-round picks because here's the thing. Anthony Davis is 26 years old. He will be with the Lakers for the indefinite future, assuming they don't just completely screw everything up. But they're the Lakers. Their brand name saves them. So it would have to be astronomical. It would have to be worse than the Lakers situation was before they got Anthony Davis. And I think the Pelicans, by the way, can become a, a very formidable team out of the trade. And I'll get into that in a second. But the worst case scenario I see is the swapping in the twenties where both teams are competitive, but not title contenders. And they're swapping back and forth in that. But again, the NBA lottery, the lottery kind of goes beyond the actual lottery night itself. It's kind of a crapshoot on who you get after the top three picks. Most of the time, maybe the top five, 
It's really you're getting a bunch of guys and maybe some decent players, but nothing that's going to shape your franchise. You're not going getting rid of, for example, a, a prospect that is Zion in the future. But the case for both trades is strong. And I, for the Lakers, what did the Lakers give up? They gave up three first round picks. What what use did they have first for, to the Lakers? Now one man's trash is another man's treasure. To the Lakers, they got LeBron. They're in win-now mode. They have to win. Like you said, they're running out of time. LeBron's going to be 35 years old this season. So they have to win now. And those those guys are never intellectually strong enough in terms of basketball abilities, in terms of intelligence on the floor to play with LeBron. At the same time, those are really valuable for the Pelicans. But for now, for the Lakers, that's not much. Now, granted, they could have maybe given up less so that they'd have more assets. That's a whole different thing. But the first round picks in themselves, not very valuable to the Lakers. Then you look at Brandon Ingram, blood clots, not healthy, can't stay on the floor. He's missed a large sum of the games that he's played. And then you give up Blonde's ball, underachiever, 44% from the free throw line. I'm sorry, I can't put a guard on the floor in crunch time that shoots 44%. I, I don't have any room for that guy on my team if I'm LeBron James trying to win now. There's no time to improve from that 44% and his inability to stretch the floor and shoot. I get it. He has court vision. There's a lot of good things to say on Lonzo, and I'll get to that. But to the Lakers for what they had, and Josh Hart, again, another guy, he can shoot. He's a good player, but they did the most important thing, and they kept Kyle Kuzma because by the time you have all these stars taking up your cap space, all these being two, they're taking up a large sum of, of the cap. They need cheap labor. And Kyle Kuzma, dropping 19 points a game last year at the low cost that they have him for, that's a big win for them. But then you look at the Pelican side, they got Lonzo Ball. Perhaps he turns it on. It's it's a good risk. He's a good risk. He was a number two pick. Again, Ingram, also a number two pick. I believe he has all-star potential. I don't know, and I'm 50-50 at best whether he can stay on the floor just based on what he's shown me. But again, for a franchise like New Orleans, it's very low pressure for them. It's very low pressure for the guys in the small market. Their fans don't necessarily always show up. They don't exactly watch on TV. So nobody's paying attention. If you screw up, no big deal. And like I've talked about multiple times, and you've mentioned, Marv, where's the Lakers player development? Perhaps these guys pop and they are who they were supposed to be at the number two pick. And you pick up those three picks so that you can build an organic movement. So... With that being said, I don't think anybody lost or won the trade. I get your point where they overpaid Marv, but uh, I don't know. I think both sides ended up doing pretty well in the deal. I want to ask you this. With the moves that the Pelicans made, they're going to get Zion. They're going to get the number four pick this year, and, and they have Ingram, and they have Lonzo. Are they a playoff contender? I believe if all the pieces, uh, if they're able to mesh all the pieces together and Alvin Gentry coaches them up, they could be a fringe playoff team. I'm talking maybe seventh or eighth seed. I mean, we saw what the Los Angeles Clippers did with the little bit of talent they had. And, you know, if, uh, if you take a look at what they have now, uh, the Pelicans still going to have Drew Holiday and then they're going to add, uh, Zion Williamson to the team. So that's, that you know, if Zion lives up to the hype, they could be a, a bottom for, uh, playoff team this year. And never know; they can 
make some noise. But you, of course, you know, that, that weighs on if everybody gels and these guys come back healthy from their injuries from last season, you know, uh, Alonzo and, and, um, what's his name? Um, I forget his name. Uh, Ingram. There you go. If Ingram can come back healthy from his blood clot and Hart, you know, continues to excel at what he does, uh, I think that could be a, a young, a young up and coming team in the West in the next few years. Yeah, I have no doubt that they're going to be a playoff team in two to three years from now. But this season, I'm with you. They could sneak into the eight spot if Zion really pops and those guys stay healthy on the floor. It's all about their health. Again, a good risk for New Orleans, but it is a risk. And I think Zion needs that year or two to develop that jump shot. We have to remember even LeBron didn't come out with a jump shot, and he was a little bit more transformational, in my opinion, than Zion is. But I think they're close. They're different talents, but transformational talents in their own right. So I, I definitely think they're going to be contenders in the future. And as they add those draft picks, whoever the four draft pick might be, or there's been speculation that that four draft pick and some other things might be moved to get Brad Beal. I don't love that move. Again, I like the idea to have those young kids to grow up together, build a culture, build a a, a dynasty in their own right if they can like OKC did before they traded away all the wrong players and and some of these other small markets that are coming up. Milwaukee did it that way. So it'll be really interesting to see where they can end up because I think there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of hope and there should be a lot of excitement in New Orleans for the fans with Zion coming in. But uh, the Lakers certainly didn't get the short end of the stick. Yeah. Did they maybe give up too much, Marv? Yeah, sure. That's a fair point. But if you get the right house, if you got the right car, if you got the right job and you paid too much to move to get there, you paid too much for the house or you were in a rush at some point, and you got something that you really loved, you're never really going to remember that. You're going to love you're going to love the house. You're going to remember all the memories that you had and everything that you did while you were in it. So, I think it was just a really good move for the Lakers as well. So, I think it's going to be good for the NBA. In the end of the day, it's going to be good for the league. I want to stay in the league and shift to this. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Now I'm going to come out and say this on the front. I, I have no sources for this, and I'm going to. That's why why I have you, Marv. You have all the sources. This is just a hot take and an opinion, if you will. There's been a lot of talk about Kyrie is the surest thing going to Brooklyn at, in the NBA media, in the sports media, if you call it. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. This is a guy who who came out and said that he was going to re-sign with Boston. He said it in front of a bunch of fans. He said it on TV. He's re-signing with Boston. Six months later, probably less than that, three months later, there was already questions whether he wasn't going to sign, and now we're six months later, and he's for sure not going to sign again. Uh, based on everything that we know, Vegas has the odds at plus 1,000. They don't give away money. So it's pretty certain that he's not going to sign. So we have... That, we have the fact that he reportedly won't even call the Celtics back. He's ghosting them. I thought that was just a thing for like Tinder and, and dating, but apparently it's NBA ghosting now. You don't call back the team and tell them you're not coming back. You just don't talk to them. That's a new one. With his pattern of behavior, he's so flaky. So he may be telling everyone that he's going to Brooklyn, but I contend the chips have not fallen. And there was even a report that if, that came out today that Brooklyn's not even really interested in him if it's just him. He needs to bring another star. 
here's my hot take, my theory. Kyrie Irving is saying he's going to Brooklyn, and it may be because he believes it. But honest to God, I wonder, and I do believe that this guy just goes out and says things that will make him relevant and interesting to people because we sit there and we think you're a superstar talent. You have all these options. Brooklyn? Why Brooklyn? Who who does Brooklyn have? What tradition do they have? And I don't mean to make this a bash the Brooklyn Nets segment, but there's no proof. So it just seems to me like he's sitting here saying, I'm going to go to Brooklyn just to get attention. Marv, where is this guy going to end up, actually? I mean, I, I'm stuck with my prediction um, from the moment I've heard it uh, from a sources back a few months ago. I still think Kyrie Irving is uh, going to sign with the New York Knicks. And the reason being is everyone keeps saying it. If KD goes there, then Kyrie's coming. Uh, they actually met a few days back after um, KD got released from the hospital. They had dinner, and they were talking about their free agency futures. Uh, not much was known of what they spoke of, but it looks like Kyrie has been trying to convince KD to join him in Brooklyn, and KD has simply said no. He does not see himself signing with the Brooklyn Nets. So, at the end of the day, if KD, which I'm pretty sure he's going to still sign with the Knicks, if he goes to the Knicks, then Kyrie will follow. Now, a lot of people will say, well, right now, KD, you know, is still mentally recovering from his injury, which is understandable. But once, you know, KD comes back to reality and starts thinking about business, He's going to remember what went down in, in, in uh, Golden State, and I don't think he's going to go back to Golden State. So the only real option for him is New York. I mean, he's moved all his things to New York for the summer. He plans to stay in New York for the summer, and at the end of the day, I think that's where he plans to uh, play out the rest of his career with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, it seems that right or wrong, logical or illogical, by all the reports and all your sources and beyond your sources all around the sports media that KD is set on going to New York, whether it's a New York lifestyle or he's obsessed with building something from scratch there, kind of like LeBron's move to LA where it's the lifestyle and he's going to build something and he's going to win a championship with a third team. It seems that KD is going to be in New York in a Knicks uniform, and that's exactly my point with Kyrie. The chips haven't fallen. The guy blows with the wind. People change his mind or he changes his mind like every other day. He doesn't have a direction. He's rudderless. So for everyone out there saying, this is the sure thing. We don't know where KD is going. We don't know where Kawhi is going. From everything I'm hearing, he's going to Brooklyn. And I'm not saying that they're not hearing it. I'm saying that what Kyrie says is largely meaningless. I'm going to stick with you, Marv with all your sourcing, everything that you got going and telling me that he's going to be in the Knicks, I think KD's going to say, hey, I'm signing with the Knicks. You want to join me? And how can you turn that opportunity down? And he will blow in the wind over to the other side of the boroughs. Or Nick, Marv, you know the New York talk. I don't. The other side of the city. Yeah, and also another thing I took note, uh, I, I did pay attention to what was going down with the um, Caesars Palace or whatever, not the, the sports book. And they still had the Knicks at minus 175 favorites to sign Kyrie. And they had the Lakers and 
the Nets with the same odds at plus 300. So that that's really telling to me because even though the mainstream media keeps saying Brooklyn, 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 trying to drill that into everyone's head, Vegas is not buying it yet. And obviously if Vegas is not buying it, then obviously Vegas knows something's up. And that's what, you know, still, you know, doesn't change my, my opinion and my knowledge of what I know that I think Kyrie is still going to end up signing with the Knicks at the end of the day. Yeah, Vegas wasn't built on giving money away, so they certainly know what they're talking about a lot more than we do or the sports media does, for that matter. I want to shift to this, and we're going to stick in the NBA again. Man, the NBA just gives us more and more and more. The season's over, but the offseason's just begun, and it's like it never ends. Never-ending drama. Um, and that particular drama topic is the Houston Rockets. Lots of reports have come out that it's basically unsalvageable there. Chris Paul and James Harden didn't talk for two months, and Chris Paul demanded a trade. He said, that's news to me on Instagram in the comment section of somebody's post. Apparently, just today, or was it yesterday, uh, but within the last couple of days, the Houston Rockets made an offer to the often gullible Knicks. Even they wouldn't have Chris Paul's contract. Marv, what is going on in Houston? Uh, right now, what's going on in Houston is this looks like they're dealing with their own version of dumpster fire. Uh, teammates aren't getting along. Uh, Chris Paul obviously is a ball dominant guard, and so is James Harden. So there was rumors uh, coming out that they haven't spoke for possibly the last two months of the season, and they were arguing all the time. And Chris Paul at times wanted to run the second team. Uh, by himself without Paul, uh, without uh, Harden out there. That way he can, you know, control the offense. And it was just a, a power struggle in Houston. And I think that's one of the main reasons why, you know, things didn't go the way we thought Houston should have beat the Warriors when they were hobbled. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think at this point, it's going to be really tough for them to move CP3 to any team, especially if my Knicks turned them down. That's pretty bad. I mean... There's a few teams that maybe can absorb him, but at this point, if the Rockets really want to get rid of him, they're going to have to throw in some draft picks and some sweeteners for someone to absorb that uh, horrendous contract because at the age of 33, I'm sorry, 36, because he's 33 right now, 36 on his last year of his contract, CP3 is uh, slated to make $44 million. Would you like to be paying a 36-year-old that's on the downfall of his career you know, downward spiral, $44 million. You think about that. It's almost about, I would say, 40% of the salary cap. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. I don't see them being able to trade him unless the team is really desperate. So, they may be stuck with their little drama. And if that's the case, they're going to have to just put up with it. And them two are going to have to make up because at the end of the day, it's going to be tough to move CP3's contract. Yeah, let me put it this way. The Rockets, after being within one game in the NBA Finals, one game of taking down the healthy Golden State Warriors just two years ago, they sold their soul by giving Chris Paul that contract. They have no recourse to get rid of him. Shams has reported that nobody's interested, zero teams are interested in trading for Chris Paul. So look, I understand why he 
why nobody wants to trade for him for all the reasons that you mentioned. And his hamstrings are like uh, string cheese. They just rip at, on command. It's just the guy can't stay healthy. Here's what has to happen, like you alluded to, Mark. They need to get the D- GM Daryl Morey in the room. They need to get D'Antoni, a contractor, get rid of him. They can't sit in the middle on that. That's a whole different subject. But they need to get the GM, Daryl Morey, in the room. They need to get the coach, whether it's Mike D'Antoni or whoever they're going to commit to, in the room. And then they need to get Chris Paul, and they need to get James Harden, and they need to sit down and say, guys, this is what it is. You guys are paid a lot of money to play this game. I know you don't get along. You don't have to like each other. But this is the way it's going to be. We can't trade Chris. Uh, they're probably going to have to say it in a nicer way than that because Chris Paul is a, is a superstar with an ego. But he's a very valuable player when he is healthy, when he is able to make plays, and he's the best that they got. So that's what it is. And to say, hey, guys, Golden State, they're not healthy. They have nobody. The door's wide open. The Lakers, they're the favorites. They got two players on their team. We got to make this work. And I'm just sitting there as the GM saying, I'm going to do everything I can to get you guys more. Uh, we're a little cap strapped right now, but I'm working on it. And Daryl Morey is a really bright guy. He's going to do everything he can. And I don't know if the situation is even possible to make something happen with that cap space and with signing a free agent or with trading. It doesn't seem so, but he's going to do everything he can to get those guys on track and get those guys something to win with. And I think it could be a great story where they put it behind move on and be title contenders. I think they're on the fringe of being title contenders, but I think it's still possible should health and luck be on their side. Look at Toronto. Luck was certainly on their side. I'd say as Houston, why not us? Marv, do they have any other option? Um, Honestly, I don't think so unless you can find some team that's really desperate. I just don't see it. I mean, I looked at some, I was looking at some figures and really there's no other teams that could really absorb him straight up unless, you know, the Clippers can't get, uh, anyone in free agency and strike out. Then maybe then maybe the Clippers will be interested in a reunion. But I mean, I highly doubt that. So it's going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, how I say drama. Field off season for the Houston Rockets as it, as it unfolds. Yes, I don't know if the NBA is a sports league or uh, a soap opera. Days of our lives. It's just it's so drama filled. It never ends. It's so much fun to to talk about and 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 analyze. Before I get into our mock draft, I want to give breaking news on the show on the podcast. Uh, it was just reported via on Bleacher Report via the New York Post, that the Nets may stop pursuing Kyrie. So um, actually, we might be right in real time on a podcast, which isn't (laughs) even real time when you're listening to it. So that's pretty amazing to me. I think that's pretty cool. We might have to start doing a segment about how where we're right and where we're wrong, Marv. We're we're right and we're wrong, but I think we're right more often than we're wrong. I want to get into our final topic, the mock draft. NBA mock draft, the draft is on Thursday. The 20th is a, what day is today? Yeah, Thursday the 20th. So we kind of know, I think everybody that pays attention to the NBA, we know the first, second, and third pick. The Pelicans are going to take Zion Williamson. The Memphis Grizzlies with the number two pick are going to take John Morant. And the number three pick, the Knicks are locked in on R.J. Barrett. So we don't want to waste your time with 
going over that. But Marv, we want to bring our we want to bring in Marv, our NBA resident expert, our mock draft expert, and uh, break down the next five picks, so number four through number eight, on the clock with the fourth pick via the Los Angeles Lakers is none other than the New Orleans Pelicans. Who do you got going there, Marv? You know, as I thought about it, with all the trade pieces uh, New Orleans got back from the Lakers, uh, they still didn't add a two-guard. Like, I think Jarrett Culver would be a perfect fit there in New Orleans. Uh, if, you know, they can't get anybody else like Darius Garland. I mean, a lot of people like Darius Garland at number four to them, but then I would feel that they're going to have three point guards, which would make no sense. So Culver, I think, would be a perfect uh, fit there because he's a guy that does not require to have the ball in his hands. He's a a perfect 3 and D guy and could be, you know, another Paul George type of player who goes out there and plays good defense and, you know, hit a couple jumpers here and there when you need them to. So I think Jared Culver will be the pick at number four. Yeah, I think you, like you mentioned, he has you have to go with upside. So if it is a point guard, go with another point guard, and I would make uh, just push back just a little bit that I think that they should play Holiday at the two and Lonzo at the one. I think Holiday's a better two guard than a one guard. I think he's an excellent player, but I think he's better suited off the ball. Um, but, no, I, I can see that why that would work out. Again, that adds that famous word that scouts see and fans don't necessarily see is length. And then what builds off that is athleticism. So I like the pick. With the fifth pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the always picking in the top five Cleveland Cavaliers, who are they going to take? I like Cam Reddish in this spot. Uh, reason being is, you know, the Cavaliers are really high on R.J. Barrett, and they're looking to add a scorer and a guy with length that could play possibly in the wing position for them. And I think Cam Reddish fits, you know, all those positions uh, for them that they're looking for. Uh, I think he he's gonna he has a really high ceiling, and I think he's gonna be a better pro than he was a college player. So I could see the fit in Cleveland for them. They've been looking to add a small forward to the mix since they lost LeBron James two seasons ago. So I think Cam Reddish will be a perfect fit there in Cleveland. I certainly think he has uh, the highest upside out there for this draft as far as outside of the top three. He was buried underneath two excellent players at Duke that are going in the top three. So if you're looking for upside, which again, that's what I'm always looking for. You usually get a couple stars and then just a bunch of guys in the NBA draft. It's not like the NFL where you can find a uh, Hall of Fame all-time quarterback in the sixth round. That's just not the way it works. So I really like that pick. With the sixth pick, we have the Phoenix Suns. Who are the Suns taking? Uh, I really like Darius Garland in this pick. The Suns, you know, have been looking for a lead guard, point guard, for a while to add to their, their team. I mean, they have, you know, a bunch of young up-and-coming guys in each position, but they like that, that lead guard. And I think Garland has a lot of upside, and he's a really good point guard. And, you know, he only played five games last season, but in those five games he, he showed that he can excel and score at will and also makes his teammates better. And I think he would fit well there in, in uh, the Rising Suns. Uh, he's he's really good at take, you know, taking it to the hole. A lot of people compare him to like a Dame Lillard. On to the next, 
If you're the Chicago Bulls with the number seven pick, who are you going to take? Chicago Bulls are pretty tough to analyze. One player I think they could target since they haven't found a point guard since Derrick Rose got injured is possibly Kobe White out of North Carolina. He's one of those guys. He's he was you know he's really good at his uh, what he did in college. Uh, he didn't really stand out a lot. Like you know he didn't jump out the the screen for you like you know just to put it like that but uh, I think he's going to be a really good pro he's a solid player and he's a solid point guard he's pretty underrated and I think he could be really good in Chicago yeah they say he's 6'5 at point guard is that with the afro or without you know (laughs) (laughs) he's a he's a big guy he can play ball though I I like him a lot yeah I think he's Um, really solid the final pick that we're going to do for our mock draft is the number eight pick, or the number eight pick, uh, which belongs to the Atlanta Hawks. Who do you have, Marv? I like uh, DeAndre Hunter. I think he's a really good player. A lot of people compare him to a Kawhi Leonard type of player, where he's you know a, a, a lockdown defender with long arms, and he can also score when needed to. So I, I like the. The uh the pick there for them to be DeAndre Hunter, he would fit really well, or uh, you know, next to, uh the pieces they have there, which is uh, Collins and Trey Young, and and that's a position I think they would they're lacking right now is a, is a small forward, so they already have Trey Young at the point guard, they have uh, Collins at center, so to add DeAndre Hunter that brings a little bit balance to the team, and I think that would be a perfect fit. Yeah, he's a great guy to add to your culture. He was part of that Virginia team, which was all about teamwork and culture. And again, he brings that word that we're going to make stick, Marv, length. NBA fans don't talk about it enough. It's what a large part of what won the NBA championship and crowding the floor and just running people off the three-point line uh, at Golden State. So I think that he will be a great addition to the Hawks and what they're building. Would have liked to seen them get involved in the Lakers deal and get a player for picks, but I guess that's not what the Pelicans wanted. They're trying to move on from that number four pick themselves. So go figure. Not a lot of interest from that side of the the fence there, but would have liked to see Atlanta get some more players. But I do think they're on the come up with Trey Young. I think they're just a couple guys away. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. And uh, Marv, do you have anything else for the people? Just enjoy the offseason because the fireworks have already started going off. Yeah, and I promise we will stray from the NBA drama at some point. We are going to get in the NFL, but the NFL isn't giving us a lot. So we're going to get there, but uh, just not quite yet. As that NFL news ramps up and the NBA tapers off, we're going to get into it. So don't you tune out. We are going NFL very soon.